this episode, we welcome Jen Sharadia, a principal working in Bulleye, New South Wales. Jen is a super organizer and has lots of brilliant tips on how to keep on top of the ever-growing amount of paper and other work that school leaders are required to do. Jen will give us her tried and tested tips and tricks that allow her to get through the workload and be an inspiring leader. She joins us on the Flourish Movement to tell us how it can be done. And our very special guest today is Jen Sharadia. She's a principal on the south coast of New South Wales. And the reason she's here is that when I was running day two of Flourish, which focuses on effectively managing your workflow and planning your day and reducing your interruptions, one thing I remember is that Jen was an absolute weapon at this. And in fact, she was so good that I handed the reins over to her for about an hour where she presented how she organized her day. And I was taking notes, people were taking notes. And for a control freak like me to actually let someone else take over, you know, they're got to be good. So what we're going to talk to Jen about today is how does she organize herself and how does she manage her external world? So Jen, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you, Adam. Nice to be here. Now, Jen, let's launch right into it. And what I want to do out of this episode is to give people some really tangible things they can walk away and start to implement straight away. Because Bob, actually, I'll get you to chime in here. One of the things I hear from principals the most is that the most challenging part of the job is managing the sheer volume of work. Like, is that something you hear and see? Oh, absolutely. And the research shows that the number one issue for principals is the sheer quantity of work. And we... There are things that we can't manage and can't control around the sheer quantity of work that comes into our schools, but there's also strategies that we can take to manage that internally uh, and be far more effective as principals. And so I'm really excited to hear from Jen today and and hearing you talk about um, how it played out in that day too. I'm sure she's got some amazing things to share. So Jen, do you want to kick us off with some of the things that you think really help principals be more effective at managing their workflow? You know, a few years ago, I was pretty much all over the place um, with managing my my workflow. And, well, I probably didn't have a workflow. I just had tasks to do and a sense of needing to lead some pretty big things within the school. So, um, you know, I had huge to-do lists and piles of paper everywhere and files and a big email mess that stressed me out. And, you know, I found I was pretty much the go-to person for everyone's problems and... um, I spent a lot of the day just probably stomping on ants, really, <laughs> um, rather than looking at the the bigger picture of things. So I guess there's a couple of um, uh, clear things that I needed to be clear about and develop some habits around uh, in, in my workday. Yep. And one was um, really setting out some priorities for the day and the week. And those priorities um, really come from the bigger picture of the school and, and the school improvement agenda. And the, and the other thing was around um, time management. You know, how was I going to manage my, my time better? Because when I've got piles of paper there and, um, and files around and, you know, the desk is looking cluttered, I just found myself going through those piles of paper all the time trying to find the next task. And, you know, the time I spent on trying to figure out what to do next could have been spent on doing something else. So just to step back, what you're saying is that the the very first step is to 
articulate what's our strategic agenda. What are we trying to achieve as a school? What's the big things? You know, one of the things we've seen in Flourish is that a, a lot of people don't have a strategic agenda. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's literally I come in, I respond to the emails, I put out fires all day, but I don't have this overarching, here's where I'm headed, here's what I want to achieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as Jen was just, sorry, I was just kind of thinking as Jen was talking then about that analogy of just coming in and putting out the fires and also just the, the combination of the paperwork on your desk piling up and also then opening your emails and having that same sense of disarray and, and trying to prioritise what happens from your emails as well throughout the day and just sitting there and then just being responsive and reactive to whatever hits you. We do hear that all the time. Why is that the case? Why is that so prevalent? I think it's so prevalent because of the sheer volume of work that you have and it does just dribble in through the day. So you never are on top of everything as a principal. It's a bit like housework, you know, and there's there's always something coming across your desk, something new coming at you. And it, it also gets that way when you get a major problem or um, difficulty that you need to deal with that at times could take up your whole day. Or, or even two days or three days um, to resolve. And nothing stops coming in at you while that's happening. Yeah, right. Okay, so a couple of questions here. First of all, how does a principal start to get that strategic direction? Like, how do you do it? Do you sit down with your team? Is this something you do on your own? How do you make that clarity around, here's what we're trying to achieve? At the moment, I'm working with my leadership team on an 18-month school improvement plan. So we've got that bigger picture of 18 months, where we want to be in 18 months' time. And we have about three or four priority areas that we look at in that time. And then we also break down those priority areas into what we want to achieve over each term. Otherwise, I find that we get to the end of that 12 months or 18 months and, and everyone's saying, oh, I didn't get to that, I didn't get to that, you know. So we break, break it down into the term. So we break down each priority into our big rocks. What are our big rocks to actually achieve those priorities? And then we allocate those to each term. I was just going to say, it's interesting you said three or four things over 18 months. And most people go, well, that's not, that's not achieving a lot. But one thing's that's shown in the productivity research is often strategically we're trying to do too many things and we just get lost and we get distracted by the shiny thing. So is that something you focus on? Like, was that a conscious thing to only have three or four? It is in a way, you know, you're always improving other little things throughout the school, but in terms of a strategic plan, it's three or four. It's a bit of a system-wide approach in the system I work in as well to have um, three or four over a 12-month period, but I found that's too short. So um, I'd like to push it out to even two years um, to give it some depth and all. And then once you have those and you start to break them down into term focuses, mm-hmm. you allocate the tasks and, and what's the next step from there? So we break it down into the big rocks, which then become the term focus. And then uh, members of the team uh, take on those particular rocks, the leadership team, and we break them down into weekly tasks. So that, that rock then um, can be achieved over the term. The weekly tasks then come back to our weekly leadership team meeting as well. And, and are we on task? Has that been achieved for the week, that particular task to achieve the big goal? Um, if not, we talk as a team about how we get that back on track 
and it's about supporting each other to stay on track rather than about, you know, a punitive approach to, well, you didn't get that done, why didn't you get it done, you know, and knowing that everyone's got things happening during the week, that how do we support each other to, to get that particular rock back on task? I imagine that that weekly sort of tracking would help you with that sort of resource allocation to sort of, well, well that didn't get done because there was you know, variations in routine. We know we had the athletics carnival this week or it interrupted and something else went on. And so but to get on track next week, we may need to provide a day support or some extra resources in place to get on track. Exactly, Bob, then we can have a look at that. And that, yeah, you're right, that those resources are about who, who needs time to get it back on track as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always difficult in a, in a school when you've got teachers on class <laughs> about providing that time. And there's always a cost factor involved in that as well. But if it's your priority, then, you know, your, your dollars have to go into that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like that's a really constructive approach towards accountability because you've got the plan, you've broken it down into who needs to do what, but then obviously keeping people accountable it's more of a group accountability with a very collaborative approach rather than kicking heads when things don't get done. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's about supporting each other. And I find the leadership team are very attuned to what each other are trying to achieve as well. So we don't have these little silos on the leadership team. It's everyone's accountable. Everyone's accountable for um, achieving those goals. And what if you have someone that's consistently not meeting the mark? they're just not achieving their goals, they're not getting things done. How do you manage that? Yeah, I I have experienced that. You know, some people take a little more time to get their heads around these things and just need a little bit more support um, for for how they're going to achieve those rocks. I think it's important also to not just have um, that support within the leadership team meeting, but also setting time aside during the week to sit down and have a really good conversation um, about why that's not happening. And and I think the really important thing in that is to be asking really genuine questions and being inquiring rather than questions that are targeted at catching someone out or trying to make a point, you know. So really inquiring questions. And I find that really powerful because you can walk into a conversation like that with a lot of assumptions and a lot of those assumptions can be broken down with genuine inquiring questions. So Rather than than judgment, which would create a completely different culture. That's right. That's right. And people feel defensive. Um, And that's when they come up with a lot of excuses and that don't help to, to resolve that issue. So I find now that the leadership team are pretty good in just being quite honest about um, what's happening for them. And sometimes it may just be that in asking those questions, they resolve the issue for themselves. I didn't actually have to solve anything. <laughs> they, they come up with the answers for themselves. They've got their internal wisdoms that are just there and, and I just try and draw them out. And, and give whatever support I can. And um, pretty much they, they pretty much stay on track. What are some other things that you do that really helps that planning and productivity? Okay, so having those priorities is really important because the second part of um, organising myself is around, around the time management. So if I know what those priorities are, then um, I can organise my time management a bit better. So... I pretty much set aside the morning when I'm the freshest to focus on my most important task for achieving those priorities. So 
that's going to involve something that um, I know that when I first became a principal, I was very uncomfortable with, and that was shutting my door. And I think a lot of principals feel like you have to have this open door policy, but you know, it's about creating a culture within the school where where staff know that that's your, that's your time, <laughs> that's your time. And, um, you know, I've got my office staff who know when they do need to come in. You know, if something pretty drastic's happened, <laughs> you know, the, the building's burning down, yes, come in. <laughs> you know, so um, they're, they're pretty good at knowing um, when they can interrupt me when it is something pretty important. You know, and the other thing too is in that priority time in the morning is just closing my emails. Don't Don't have them on. Just turn it off. When you do emails, you're doing somebody else's work. Yeah. Even turning off your email notifications, because if they're popping up on your screen, that split second of distraction takes you two or three or four minutes to refocus on what you were doing. So it's lost time. Don't answer the phone. Just leave your phone, turn it off so that you can focus on what you're doing. So that's pretty important in the morning. So I, I generally block out, try to block out an hour and a half to two hours in the morning to focus on my most important task for the day. And that's your big rock weekly breakdown. Yeah. Yes. Or even daily. I was just thinking there, just reflecting on something you were saying earlier too, Jen, where that uh, that open door policy, I, I remember I, and I laughed when you said that because it's coming up time and time again that that is a real issue for principals that, and the fact that, uh, they're you're responsive not only to the emails but also responsive to everyone who comes to the door for that I can either see you for a minute mm. and the minute turns into an hour and and all of a sudden your day's shot every morning with that responsive reactive mentality and culture in the school yeah that's right Bob I, I totally agree that that got a minute is um, more than a minute and it, it, it is disruptive I know another principal who actually you know, has the same thing, shuts shuts her door in the morning and she's got a little table out outside with post-it notes on it and people <laughs> want her, they can just write on the post-it note when she's ready to address it, she does. And yeah. uh, she finds, and I, and I would agree with this, she finds that a lot of people solve their own problems simply because they can't get at you straight away. I think that's exactly right. I've had some pushback from principals when I've spoken to them and tried to, you know, support them and question this open door policy. And they said to me, yeah, but my job as a principal is to be there for everyone else first. Yeah, that's part of your job, I guess. But your job is really to lead a whole school and and drive it forward and, and improve the school so that you know, kids' learning is the main focus and their well-being is, is the main focus. So a, a teacher needing to know, can they go to that in-service, do they need to know that right now or can that wait? You know, that, that's where you've got to say, well, yeah, I can be there for everyone, but does it have to be right now? That's right. And I just, that, just what you said there about the main role of the principal you do need the time and space to actually achieve that. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. You know, and there are days where it doesn't it doesn't happen, you know, because you can have the day planned out and, you know, some big things crop up that, that you just got to push everything aside to do that. So you can't always just shut your door and, you know, forget the rest of the world. You're in a, you're in a community. So mm. things are going to happen. Things are going to happen with people that you, you have to do, you have to attend to, so... And, and I suppose there's another, what you learn with experience is what the threshold is there of, 
you know, this place is on fire. Well, obviously, my door needs to be open. You know, there's, <laughs> there's a critical incident. There's a critical staff issue or student wellbeing issue that needs attention right now and have a, a an understanding throughout the entire school of what that threshold is. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And and that takes um, a little bit of time to get, get used to. But I think, you know, always giving people purpose is, is a really good thing to do, you know, about why why you're doing that. Why are you shutting that door? And I, I find that if most teachers know you well, know what you're trying to achieve within the school, they'll accept that. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. a great point about that communication of here's why this is happening, here's why I'm doing it. And one of the things we say in Flourish is to show their staff the data about how they're interrupted about 57 times a day. Like, how do you get anything done? How do you think clearly? How do you make good decisions when that's happening? So, Jen, at the very start of the podcast, you said you used to be a bit of a disaster <laughs> organisation. So did you previously have an open door policy and how did you transition from that to I have two hours of the morning where I don't get interrupted? Like, What were some of the tangible things you did to change that culture to make that happen? Uh, blocking out my calendar. Yep. Uh, so um, the office staff didn't book in any meetings for with parents or anybody else who wanted a meeting so that they know that I'm, I'm going to be blocking out that time. Look, it probably happens about four days a week um, to, be, to be realistic. And if something's happening at school, it could be less. But, but they just know that that time is, is sacred to me. And the other thing for staff is, again, just, you know, letting them know um, why I was doing it, just coming back to that again. That's why the door is shut. Yep. So, um, and sometimes it can be, you know, you've got to make, part of those priorities is making pretty important phone calls so they know that as well so but I think it's really just been around teachers understanding why I do it yeah and what I love about that is that you say well I probably achieve it four out of the five days a week but if you think about that that's eight hours of uninterrupted time Mm. you can move the world with eight hours of uninterrupted time so what I love is that you're realistic enough to go it's not perfect but I don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because one day of that week, it doesn't work. If you want it to be perfect, you're going to be stressed by that. So your system's not working because the whole idea is to reduce your stress. And the other thing too is that I used to be very much intent on getting all the little stuff done through the day and all the emails and attending to everything. But the morning is your most creative time, thinking time. You're freshest, your brain's ready to go. You're not tired. In the past, I'd do all those little things and then go home and do the big stuff. Yeah. Because I had quiet time and I could actually get that achieved. Uh, but it's, the, for me, the worst time of the day to be trying to do anything like that. Yeah, what's really great about that is most people come in the morning and the first thing they do is their email, which is another <laughs> person's agenda. It's the small stuff, but you use it to do the big stuff. So apart from that planning in terms of the time management, that two hours in the morning, what are some other strategies you do? So for time management, there's there's a couple of tools um, that I use. One is I have a daily planner and uh, it's basically an A4 sheet of paper and it's set out in 15-minute blocks of time. So, for example, there's a column down half of the page and it's got 8 a.m., 8.15, 8.30, 8.45, etc., And then I can just block out uh, time according to what I need to do during the day. So, for example, when I get in in the morning, I usually arrive at school around 8 o'clock. I 
have 15 minutes blocked out to set up, set up my day. And then I have, I do actually do about um, 20 minutes of email um, very quickly in the morning just to check that there's nothing there that I, that is quite urgent. Quite often I'll then block out a half an hour to go out and do a playground duty in the morning just to greet the kids and give parents some opportunity to come and chat to me if they want. And then from nine o'clock onwards, I um, then block out that hour and a half to two hours for my most important task. From 11 o'clock onwards, well, that's when I attend to all of the um, other tasks, you know, the react, more reactive tasks or attending to emails and that sort of thing. But I don't actually just sit there and think, oh, what am I going to do next? I've actually, uh, at the beginning of the week, usually on a, a Sunday night, I'll sit down and map out my whole work, whole week. So I have five of these daily planners for the week and I'll actually block out all the meetings um, and, and all the things that I do on a regular basis, such as, you know, your staff meetings and signing awards for assemblies, all that sort of stuff. I just block those out so that they're already in, in that schedule. Uh, and then I, then I have a look at all the other tasks I need to do for the week and, I, and I'll schedule them in. Can I ask a question about that scheduling? Because that's that's incredibly detailed. I was wondering, Jen, whether or not you actually schedule time for yourself there, time for your own well-being activities in your week. Yeah, good question. <laughs> so the other side of the page <laughs> is where I put in things like um, notes to do with my most important tasks, just to remind myself who I might need to to speak with that day, any notes, any other little reminders for for that day. Now, this is all to keep me just on those for the day and not to enter into other stuff that I might have scheduled for tomorrow, okay? The other thing I do too is um, on that other side of the page is I have some flourish notes from when we did the flourish course. And I have things like throughout the day, you know, something I call mastering the pause, you know, how am I going to stop myself during the day? Because when you do... um, schedule yourself like that you could just go 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 but you know have, you have to master the pause when are you actually going to take a bit of time to the in the day just to to stop to think just have some space to breathe and I'll actually write down what I'm going to do to master the pause a couple of times during that day and that that pause might be five minutes it might be 15 whatever it whatever it takes um what do you do in that time Jen Oh, I might just go. My, one of my favourite things to do is just to go into kindergarten. <laughs> and, Everyone's favourite thing. Yeah, and just kind of talk to those kids. Or it's so good, I love that. Yeah, and just they just make me laugh. You know, I, I just always chuckle when I'm in there, and um, I'm always amazed at how keen they are to learn, how keen they are to put their hand up. So that that could be one thing and just chat to one of the kids. One of the kindergarten kids at the moment started this thing of asking me if I'm going to the moon. I've got no idea how it happened, but, you know, I can walk into kindergarten now and they all go, are you going to the moon? (laughs) So, you know, that stupid little thing just makes me laugh. But it might be just going for a bit of a walk around the school, just just take a walk around and and just breathe or just... um, you know, do a, te- a little meditation. You know, I use one of those apps, meditation apps. You know, I might just do something like that as well. So uh, so that's, you know, on that side of the page, you know, that time for um, the third space, what's my intention for the third space for that day going to be um, so that I've really got it intentionally there 
but I'm not going, oh, third space, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, um, and just that reminder about my sleep routine as well is, is on that side of the page as well. So you've got all these tasks, but you've also got the kind of well-being. I know I ask that question because so often I, when I'm working with principals, I see some incredible intention and, and activity designed around managing their workflow and their day to the nth degree almost every minute as you've done for work, but they don't do the same thing for their own well-being and personal life and fitness and health. You know, and, and you, you intend to, to do all that. And I think if you have the intention there, you're much more likely to do it than if you don't. You say that four out of five days, the plan goes pretty well according to what you're trying to achieve. How do you catch up the slack on a day where you get blindsided by something? Yeah, look, it's just a matter of rescheduling. You're just just shifting it um, to another day. So um, rather than stressing about it, or I, I might just kind of try and work a little bit of an extra time that day just to, to catch up some of those little bits so they're not sitting there because otherwise it can build up. You know, some, sometimes I find you've just got to have that day of just catching up on stuff, you know, because, because of what happens during the day as well. To be really honest, this probably sounds a bit nerdy. I actually really enjoy organising myself. <laughs> yeah, that is nerdy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of get this little adrenaline kick, I guess, out of going, right, I'm organised, you know, and I can come into the week feeling like I'm ready to go rather than feeling stressed by, oh, what about this and what about that and, oh, well, I forgot this, you know, all that sort of thing, so... I bet you have an office supplies addiction, do you? Like when you go to office work, you start to get butterflies about how excited you are with the organisers. No, I'm not too nerdy with that. <laughs> um, just any other thoughts or any other pieces you want to share? Look, I aim to have no emails at the end of the day. Now, I know a lot of people are going, oh, she's kidding. She's really kidding, isn't she now? <laughs> but uh, that's the aim. Okay, but um, what I do is I, I schedule um, time throughout the day, uh, three or four times a day for about 20 minutes just to look at, look at my email. And in that time, I do one of five things. Okay, so the first thing might be to any emails that I can respond to in one or two minutes in that 20-minute time frame, I do. I get them out of the way. Any emails that are going to take longer than that to either respond or action, I put them aside to schedule in uh, to be done at another time, yeah. okay? And then, you know, some emails to do that could, could be, oh, I, can, I can do that tomorrow or I can do that Friday or I can leave that one till next week. So I just schedule those ones in. You're treating it as a task. Yes, okay. Um, the other one is just, uh, just delete as much as you can. Get rid of all those uh, subscription emails, as many as you possibly can. Uh, because they just clog up your system. Um, the other one is delegate. So the, the fourth one is to delegate um, what I can. So one of the things that I had to come to terms with as a principal is what level of task do I want to do as a principal? Um, I've learned to get rid of a lot of tasks that are, um, I don't mean it's in a derogatory way, but a lower level that I don't need to attend to that somebody else can, can attend to that task because it's quite low level. I want to put my energy into the leadership of the school. 
not into smaller, um, more menial tasks. So delegation, learning to delegate some of those things is really important. And then um, the thing is to archive. So not leaving emails in your inbox, just archive them. Mm, that's brilliant. And I, and I just love that last part about the delegation as well. That's a really good question for everybody I think, to take away and ask yourself. Uh, and it's not necessarily even whether or not it's at the priority or the level, whether it's higher or lower, it's whether or not sometimes you're just better off at sending that to someone who it's, it's in their hitting zone and they'll do a better job of it because it's what they do or it's their area of expertise rather than holding onto it yourself and, and trying to micromanage. That's right, Bob. And I, I find too that... Um... Most of my staff, and, and I'm sure other principals experience this, they really want to do some things, you know, things yeah. that I would have um, taken on in the past. You know, I might have sat down with a, a, a particular staff member and said to them, would you like to have a go at this? And they get really excited. And when yeah. you sit with them and talk to them, um, levels of delegation are also very important in terms of, making it really clear about what their level of delegation is. Um, but I, I find they're really keen to take things on. And really, that, that's how, uh, as a school, we dealt with um, going into remote learning is, is by setting up some little teams uh, that, that um, we, we broke up into about five areas, set up some little teams, and they came back with a whole lot of recommendations. So... Because I got to the point, I thought, I just can't, I just can't think about this anymore because it's just too much. It's, yeah. My head's going to explode. That delegation is really important, I think, because it builds people's capacity. It builds mm. their confidence in themselves. And the more I can build the capacity of staff, the easier my job's going to be too. Yeah, and that, and that culture of trust as well. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah that's an interesting spin on it because a pushback we often get is, well, I can't delegate to people because they're already busy and they've got too much on their plate, where you're looking at delegation as a capacity builder. Ask. <laughs> Just ask people. Yeah. And and if they, if they um, you know, and I always preface it with um, no pressure to do this. You know, do you want to have a, do you want to have a go at this? Or, you know, and it's about targeting that delegation too. One of the things that I often do at the end of the year or towards the end of the year when you're planning for um, staffing for the next year is um, sit down and have a conversation with staff and do a little survey with them. But one of the questions I always put in that is, are they interested in leadership? And and I don't mean as a, a, a coordinator or middle leader or principal or whatever, but in, in terms of are they interested in being a leader within the school? And I'm always surprised at how many say yes to that. Yeah. And so that's the opportunity then to say, I know you're really keen to take on some leadership. Do you want to have a go at this? Well, they, or even if you ask them and they say, well, I don't want to don't see myself as a leader or, you know, as an assistant mm. principal or an executive member, but they'll have a real passion for a specific area of the school, whether it's sport or, or art, creative arts or Aboriginal education, and, and they'll just take whatever you... They will want to take that on and want to make a difference in that space. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, that's incredibly motivating for people in their work as well. So, you know, they're seen as a great classroom teacher, but also seen as like, I'm, I'm good at this and this is my passion and I'm allowed to bring that into my work. 
And yeah, that's absolutely. Such a great motivator. Jen, I know as well you have a fantastic system for organising your paperwork because that always floods in as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I think that'd be really valuable for all principals and executives to hear. You know, at that stage when I was had bits of paper everywhere, I, I um, started a system. Yeah. You're looking to, at my desk right now. <laughs> with two expandable files, okay? So one of them is for the week and, and then one is for the year. So it's got the months of the year marked in it. So say I get an email in about a course I've got to go to and it's in October and I've got all great information where do I store that so I just go to the October part of that expandable file I pop the date at the top and I stick it in October so and I might have other emails or courses stuff going on that I want to remember uh, and it might have detail in it that's more than just the calendar entry so I'll just print it off so all those people who don't agree with printing, sorry about that, but it works for me. <laughs> but, uh, and I pop that in into the month. And then I have a weekly um, expandable file. That's the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then the last one is next week. What I do on the Sunday night is um, I pull out all the stuff out of that yearly expandable file. So if I'm in the month of August, I'll go through that week. Oh, there's that and that and that. And then uh, oh, I've got to do that. And I pop them in the week. So the days of the week where I'm going to schedule those to do. So then I can just use that daily planner and the weekly expandable file. And I've got everything at hand. And I've got nothing hanging around that's stressing me out because it's all put in a place where I'm going to be able to find it when I need it. We hope you enjoyed that insightful interview with Principal Jen Sharadia. She is just such a powerhouse in being organized and efficient, and she gave us so many great tips on how we can do the same. Thanks so much to Jen for being so generous with her time.